This program is brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu. Hello, everyone. My name is Lee Martinson. I'm a patent prosecutor and litigator in the city of Boston, and I wanted to talk today about inequitable conduct and the heightened standard now required to plead inequitable conduct thanks to the Exergen v. Walmart and SAAT Systems case out of the Federal Circuit in August of 2009. Inequitable conduct and pleading inequitable conduct is something you see in nearly every patent case in front of a district court. In fact, I think it's been in every case that I've ever worked on in one form or another. And there's been some various legislation proposed to kind of stem this because it is a defense that shows up all the time and probably really shouldn't. Basically, inequitable conduct says the person who prosecuted the application or someone involved in the prosecution of the patent application did something very bad. They forgot to tell the patent office about something or lied to the patent office and essentially committed fraud on the patent office. And But for that fraud, they would have not gotten their patent. And the reason the defense is so popular is... If the plaintiff is found to have committed inequitable conduct, the entire patent is unenforceable. So it is kind of that silver bullet defense. So I think it's important to spend a few minutes just high level going through what the patent office requires people to do. And you can find that in 37 CFR section 156. And basically, it states every individual who's associated with the filing and prosecution of an application, you have this duty of candor and good faith in dealing with the office. And you have to tell the office about all material that is deemed to be material to the patentability. This rule goes on to define who an individual is, and you'll see that's important in the exergen case, and what things are deemed to be material. Let's talk about who an individual is, first of all. And 156 Section C lists three different things. You know, it's the inventor, each attorney or agent who prepares or prosecutes the application, and every other person who is substantively involved in prosecuting the application, whether it's the assignee, it's the inventor, or other people within the company. But what it's not are companies themselves. We're really talking about people here. And if you want to look at what is deemed to be material, Rule 156 tells you this as well. It's basically anything that has to do with the patentability of the application. It's a reference, a printed publication that establishes by itself or in combination some kind of prima facie case of unpatentability or it refutes a position taken by the applicant or it's inconsistent. When I'm making an argument, I say references or the state of the art is X where there's a reference that says really the state of the art is Y. And it's important. The office also here says they encourage you to cite foreign search reports and the information that's closest. Now, let's get back to the Exergen case with that in mind. What happened here was Exergen filed suit against Walmart and SAAT for these thermometers. You scan them across your head, you put them in your eardrum, you've probably used one every day. SAAT tries to add an inequitable conduct counterclaim after they answered, and it was denied under Rule 9b standard. So this goes all the way up to the Federal Circuit. And it's important, I think, when thinking about inequitable conduct now to look at what Exergen did. And there's really, I think, five or six paragraphs in the opinion that talk about it. And I'll just summarize those for you. The pleading alleged that Exergen filed this patent application known as the 808 patent. They knew about this 808 patent and failed to cite it to the patent office in the patent suit. And they also said why they thought this 808 patent was material. They also alleged that Exergen knew of a second patent, and they call this the 205 patent. They were aware of this patent well before the patent suit issued. And again, they failed to cite this patent 
Actually, it's the 998 patent. They failed to cite this patent during the prosecution of one of the patents in suit. So they've now alleged that Exergen was aware of two patents that were material to one of the patents in suit and failed to cite them. They also said that Exergen made some contradictory statements. So SAT went out and looked at Exergen's website, and then they looked at some statements made by Exergen during the prosecution of the application and said they had taken positions that were inconsistent. So SAAT says the standard just should apply, and this case was here in the District of Massachusetts, originally was the First Circuit's time, place, and content test. The first thing the Federal Circuit says is, no, that's not right. This is a question of Federal Circuit law because it pertains to or is unique to patent law. What they do, what the Federal Circuit does, is says, we're going to apply this heightened Seventh Circuit standard. And what that really is, is you have to plead with particularity the specific who, what, when, where, and how this material misrepresentation or omission was committed before the PTO. So you got to tell who screwed up, how they screwed up, when they screwed up, why they screwed up. There's no more general pleading of inequitable conduct and reciting the elements of what inequitable conduct is. you got to get in there, get some specific facts, which means you got to do a lot more work up front these days. Now, a lot of times what you have to do or what you do do is you allege through knowledge and intent, based on information and belief, we think X, Y, and Z happened. But you got to go a little further these days. You can still do that, but you have to plead and allege sufficient underlying facts that support a reasonable inference that when you look at the facts, the only conclusion you can come to is that there was this misrepresentation or failure to tell the PTO about something. And you have to be able to prove that that was done with of specific intent to deceive the patent office. And that's really the hard part when you get down into it here. So the who, what, where, when, and why, you probably can dig out of the file history. And this is kind of where SAAT screwed up, is when you look at their pleading, they allege Exergen made a mistake. Exergen, the company. But they didn't allege a specific person made a mistake. One thing to think about is if you're going to plead an equitable conduct now, you want to find out which patent attorney in the file history screwed up or someone within the company who knew about some information and then didn't cite it to the office. For example, if on date X, a reference was cited in a related case and the same attorney was prosecuting both cases, you're going to want to allege that attorney screwed up, not Exergen or the company itself. You got to get in there and be specific and you got to tell when. And then you got to tell why it's material to a specific claim and why that reference isn't cumulative over everything else. Now, here's where the tricky part really comes in is assuming you can get through that who, what, when, where idea, which most times you can. The problem is, how do you get the deceptive intent, right? And there's a bunch of case law out there that says just failure to cite something that's material isn't enough to show intent. You can be grossly negligent and still not have the intent to deceive the PTO. And in fact, I think most people who prosecute applications would never withhold anything from the office they thought was material. Now, I say most people, I mean, it has happened in the past, which is why we have the case law, but generally, we're good people. We want the office to know. We want our clients to have good patents, and we're well aware of this issue. So this is the real hard part here. The Federal Circuit does a real kind of good job of going through what they thought the problems were with exergence pleading, and specifically on this part here, which is this reasonable inference that 
this stuff was withheld with a specific intent to deceive the patent office. So you can find that in the opinion, and that's, that's something you should really take a look at. It is going to be very difficult to prove just on the papers alone. You may need to get some discovery on the issue. You may want to consider bringing your inequitable conduct claim later in the case than when you normally would. But it's something to keep in mind. This heightened standard is out there, and I would expect that it's something you're going to run into. Well, thank you all for listening. My time is up. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, you can find me on the web. Just Google my name. It's L-E-I-G-H-M-A-R-T-I-N-S-O-N, and I'd be happy to talk to you. Thanks. This preceding program was brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu.